The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church, and it's part of our series called The Trinity in Advent. For previous messages or to find out more about Stone Oak Bible Church, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Good morning. I hope you're doing well. Guys, thank you. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can grab them. We're going to be in Romans this morning, Romans chapter 8. We are midway through our Advent series, and I tell you this just to uh, freak you out, because that basically means that Christmas is is tomorrow, so there it is. Uh, But we are right in the middle of our Advent series called Trinity in Advent, Uh, and what we we are doing in in this series is looking at our God, who is Trinity, and, and we're looking at it in, in the context of Advent. And like we've said before, I, I've said this before, but this series can be a bit daunting. Uh, it's, it's a little bit like we have a series called God. Uh, there is a lot that we can look at. There is a lot that we, can, that we could talk about. In fact, we could spend every week from here on out in the life of our church talking about this, and we would never come to the end. We would always have something left to talk about when we look at our God. And so that's the challenge that's in front of us in this series. This week, we're going to look at God the Spirit, our God, the Holy Spirit. Um, And I want to tell you now, this by no means will be an exhaustive look at the Holy Spirit. One, uh, he is inexhaustible, so there's that. And two, if we were to look at everything, we wouldn't do justice to anything. Um, And so what we're going to do is be very content looking at the Holy Spirit, understanding that our God is a little bit like a beautiful, massive diamond with many, many, many facets. And instead of just taking the diamond and doing kind of one of these numbers and just looking at it quickly, looking at everything quickly, what we're going to be content doing is setting our diamond down and getting a magnifying glass and just honing in on a couple of the facets um, because they're breathtaking. And so that's, that's what we're going to do. And we're especially going to do that in light of Advent, in light of where we are right now. Um, so follow me. Yes. I guess it doesn't matter, because I kind of already wrote the sermon. That's, that's where, we're, where we are going. Um, the text that we're going to look at, just, this has really wrecked me this week. Uh, have you ever had a light bulb moment when you're reading God's Word, and it feels like just something, that was me this week. I have been so excited to be able to dig into Romans 8 with you. Um, in your Bibles, turn with me, Romans 8, uh, we, if we had several hours, could Really, we would really enjoy just going through this whole chapter, but we're not going to do that, um, maybe. And, and so let's start instead at verse 11, okay? Verse 11, Romans chapter 8. It says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So let's just stop right there. We could spend our entire morning looking at that. Half of a verse Right there. If the spirit of, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the same spirit, powerful and, and perfect, powerful enough to conquer death, powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead. Right here, Paul says, if that spirit 
who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So here's the question that you're gonna get tired of me asking you. I'm gonna ask you several times this morning. This is our question, is this. Does the Spirit dwell in you? Okay, does the Spirit dwell in you? We're gonna ask ourselves this more than, than you're ready for, all right? Does the Spirit dwell in you? In you, My hope is, is that you're able to answer this question with a confident clarity before we walk out. If you're here and, and, and you can't answer this question yet, my hope is that you can before we leave this place this morning. Um, Paul makes very clear in this context is to, to, to follow Jesus, to be a Christ follower, to be a disciple of Jesus, to, to be a, a Christian is to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. That there's not um, two classes of Christians, those who have it and those who don't. There's not two classes. Instead, Paul says, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And then Paul reminds us, that spirit is the same one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Again, this is the Trinity just on display here. But we'll move on. We could spend all morning there. Let's move on. Verse 11 again. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So if, since God the spirit conquers death, if, since he's the author of life, spoke life into death, if, raising Christ from the dead, right? If that is the spirit that dwells, you can be completely confident that that spirit is gonna breathe life into your mortal bodies. That's what Paul tells us here. And so the Holy Spirit, that's the first thing we're gonna see, the Holy Spirit gives us life. The Holy Spirit gives us life. Um, We've said this before, but we would completely miss the message of the gospel completely missed the message of the gospel if this whole God thing, if this whole faith thing only mattered for the then and later after we die. We would miss the message of the gospel. When we view, uh, put it like this, when we view Christianity as a glorified fire insurance, we lose the essence of of the gospel. Um, It's like the moment, I don't know, some of you may be able to relate to this. When, When we go to a funeral, Especially one that just, it, it just gets us. It just gets us. It, it, and we're in that moment and we're confronted with this crashing reality that this whole death thing is not something just that other people have to deal with. I don't know if you've ever felt this. I, I can remember several funerals that I've been in where I've had this crashing realization that this is, that I am mortal and I will deal with this as well. And, and in this moment, you, you, you ask and you wonder, am I ready for that? Am I truly ready? Um, I especially feel this when, I, when I'm at a funeral of, of someone who was young and didn't, quote unquote, see it coming. Am I ready? Do I know what's gonna happen to me after I breathe my last breath? It just forces you to look. And, and oftentimes what happens is in that moment, in that moment when you're dealing with the weight of that, because I don't care who you are, that's weighty. When you're dealing with the weight of that, um, I've heard so many people who, who have remembered something that they heard preached or remembered something their parents told them, 
And, and in that moment, it's just this gut check. You get right with God, and, and you got that thing covered. All right, I'm good. And, and then you, take a, you can take a deep breath. All right, now I can go back to living the same way I've always lived. It's like you, you, get, it, you get it checked up. And, and although that sounds very nice and all, um, church, that's not the Christian life that our Bible presents us with. Our Bible doesn't present us with a simply a now and later, or a then and later faith. It presents us with a here and now and forever faith. We can't go back to business as usual because the Holy Spirit kind of comes in and destroys, destroys our idea of Christian fire insurance. Uh, just destroys it completely because if the Spirit breathes life into your mortal bodies, that means today, breathes life into your mortal bodies, life and life abundantly for the then and the later and the now and forever. Like now and for all time breathes life, eternal life for those of us who walk as a, as a follower of Jesus. Eternal life begins now, church. Begins right, right now because life dwells in you. Life dwells in you through the Holy Spirit. Um, in other words, praise God that we have a future hope. Praise God for the later, that we know that we will be with him forever. Praise God for, for all of that because all of it is true. And at the same time, praise God for today. Praise God for today because today you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit who gives you life. Life. Um, I want to think about this in, in light of Advent. In light of Advent, in many ways, I'm going to say this multiple times this morning, the Holy Spirit is in many ways the God of Advent. Here's what I mean by this. So, so when we say Advent, uh, we're referring to this hope-filled expectation that one day our Savior is going to return, and we're here in this Advent of waiting this expectation for him. We're going to spend eternity. We're, we're longing for that day. That's what Advent is. We're longing for that day. Uh, and so that's where we find ourselves. But, but here's the deal. In the waiting, it's not like we're in a waiting room bored, twiddling our thumbs, not knowing what to do. It's not like we're sitting here bored, doing nothing, waiting for life to start later. That's not what we see. Life is now. There is life in the waiting. There is life in the advent, in the waiting um, life is the Spirit, and the Spirit dwells in you, and we're not waiting for life to start later. We're not waiting for life to start, because today we have life. And so let me ask you the question again. Church, do you, does the Spirit dwell in you? Does the Spirit dwell in you? Does that life dwell in you, or do you feel dead Does the Spirit dwell in you? The Spirit gives us life. And then it continues. Verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, listen to this, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So here's the million-dollar question. Um, why is it so hard to live the life we want to live? 
Why is it so difficult on a personal level? I know the man that I want to be. I know the man that I want to be. Um, I, I spend enough time in God's word to realize that God has called me to something and he has something for me and he has a plan and he, he wants me to be a certain way. I know it. And I fail continually. Why is that 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 is a universal truth? Why in the world is it so difficult? In church, I think you can relate to this. I really want to be that man. It's not that I don't want to be it enough. I mean, I want to be that man. And yet, time and time again, I fail. And the flesh calls it here flesh. It's who I once was. Um, and it's trying to, to raise its, its nasty little head again. And this week, I told you I had light bulb moments. Here's one of them. Here's one of them. So um, here's what I realized. Those things, the flesh, those things are not me. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. My identity is in him. He purchased me. He bought me. That is who I am. That is my identity. Now, do I fail? Of course. Of course I fail. But that is who I am. The flesh is not my identity. I'm a new creature in Christ. The flesh has been conquered and continues to be defeated, not by me, but listen to our verse, by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. If by the spirit, we, it's by the spirit that we fight the flesh. It's by the spirit, the Holy Spirit fights the flesh. The Holy Spirit fights the flesh. It's, it's like we, um, we approach our life with, with different tools. And we, we conquer our demons, quote unquote, with different things, different advice. And we try to, you know, um, there's some good advice there. You know, there. There is. I don't want to put that down. There's a lot of good things we can do in life. But there's a difference in, in managing your flesh and putting it to death. There's a difference in managing it Putting it, putting it to death. Some of the things that we wrestle with, our old self, that just comes back again and again and again and again and again. Um, maybe it's the wrong tool that we're using. Uh, I'll put it like this. God doesn't just desire us to manage sin. God desires us to assassinate it. God doesn't require sin management. He requires sin assassination. And we don't accomplish this by trying harder or bringing more advice or, or tricks, life hacks. No, we accomplish this in and only through the Holy Spirit. That's it. That, that, so for some of us, here's the message of the morning. Stop being so kind to the sin in your life and kill it. Stop hugging it. Stop managing it keeping it concealed. Kill the thing. Kill it. You're being too soft on it. The Holy Spirit puts to death the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the body. And this means that we got to learn how to rely on that spirit rather than ourselves, to rely on him. This is why, one, it's so important for us to stay grounded in God's word. God literally has spoken to us he has spoken to us, and, and through the Holy Spirit, he, he speaks through his word. We need to stay in it. This is why, too, that we need to stay grounded in prayer. 
Stay grounded in prayer. Uh, Church, you cannot tell me that you rely on God if you do not pray. A reliant Christian is a praying Christian. We stay grounded in God's word. We stay grounded in prayer. We're about to start the new year off, and we're going to spend two weeks talking specifically about prayer. Um, It's going to be an important focus for us as a church. Why? Because we're a reliant people. We are a reliant people, and this is going to be a big focus. So we stay grounded in God's word, we stay grounded in prayer, and we stay grounded with God's people. Um, Lone soldiers tend to be easy targets. I guess an easier way to put this is lone soldiers tend to be dead soldiers. Um, That's not what he's called us to. We need to stop insulating and isolating ourselves and be grounded in. Sometimes the Holy Spirit in his mission to assassinate our sin chooses to use people, his people, to do it. We see countless examples in the Bible of when God uses someone else to help you kill the sin in your life. And so we stay grounded in God's word. We stay grounded in prayer. We stay grounded with each other. We do not fight our flesh alone, but we are a reliant people. We are a church victorious people. The Holy Spirit fights our flesh. Um, Again, let's think about this in, in terms of Advent. So we're waiting for that day, one day, church, when our Savior is going to return and and get this, sin will be no more. We're waiting for the day when sin will take its last blow and it's gone. No more to pester, no more to destroy. We're waiting for that day. But here's the deal. In the waiting, we're not left alone and we're not left as victims. We're not left as as victims to just be like hit from side to side by the sin that's, we're not left like that. We're not left to accept our flesh. Be kind to it. We're not left to accept our flesh until that day. That's not the condition that our God left us in. And too often, I feel that that can, we can easily slip into that attitude. And we see the sin, we see the mess that we're in, we're battling, and and we kind of say to ourselves, well, My hope is set on then, the later, when all of this will be done away with. Don't get me wrong. Our hope should be set to the future. Praise God for our future. However, in the here and now, don't forget, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Life is now victory over sin is now. You are not sin's punching bag until the day when you see Jesus. You're not. That's not the, the, the story that our Bible tells us. You are more than victorious. The same spirit, remind you again, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in, in you. Life abundantly, walking in the spirit, putting to death. So here's the question again, fourth time, third time I've asked it. Does the spirit dwell in you? Does this describe you? Does the Spirit dwell in you? The Spirit gives us life. The Spirit fights our flesh. And then verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
What a t- Woe on us if that text ever becomes ordinary. Woe on us if you ever read that and go, eh, heard that. Woe on us. This is incredible. Those who are led by the Spirit are sons, adopted sons of, of God. Is there any wonder why Paul says here in, in verse 15 that, that we don't have the spirit of slavery and fear? It's because we know who our dad is, right? We know who our dad is, and where is fear in light of that? Where is fear? There's no room for it. And then in, in 15, again, at the end, it says, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You have received the spirit of Adoption as sons of God. And it says, by whom? Who is that? By whom? It's the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Now, before Jesus gave his life on the cross, there was this beautiful moment where where he was praying to the Father. Beautiful moment. He was praying. It's recorded in Mark 14. It says, and going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. He's feeling the weight of this moment. And then listen to this. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you, but what you will. So here in the depths of sorrow, the weight of, of everything that he was about to go through, in that moment, he addresses the Father as Abba, Father deeply personal address, deeply personal address. Most compare this, there's no good translation, but dad is the best one we have. Some even go further and say daddy. It's, it's a deeply intimate and personal address. Abba, Father, this is the way our Savior, the only begotten Son of God, Jesus, this is the way he addresses the Father, Abba. Abba, Father, and now you and I, Don't miss this. Adopted as sons and daughters of God, you and I, through the Holy Spirit, now address God the Father in the same address as Jesus Christ. You and I stand before God the Father and and address him in this deeply personal and intimate way of dad. Dad. Not, Not just distant, unknowable, removed, not involved, not God somewhere out there, but dad. The spirit is what makes that possible for us to cry, Abba, Father, because the Holy Spirit brings us into fellowship. The Holy Spirit brings us into fellowship. He is the reason that we come to the Father like this, that we pray like this. He's the reason for this deep and intimate relationship that we have with the Father, that we cry, Abba. It is by Him. Too often we go through life not realizing this, church. Too often I go through life with, without realizing. I live as though God is distant. I, I, um, I guess a better way to, to put this is is I live as though he's my, my boss and not as much dad. I catch myself. I, our relationship with our boss is probably a little different than your relationship with your, with your father. Um, hopefully that's true in most cases. Um, but I, I've caught myself going through life as though, as though 
God the Father is, is God the CEO instead of Abba, Abba Father. The Holy Spirit gives us that privilege to call him Abba Father. And I want you to think about this again in light of Advent. Because again, the Holy Spirit is the God of Advent. It really is. Listen, so, so we're waiting for the day when we're in the presence of God. We see Jesus face to face. We worship him. We're waiting for that day. We're waiting for it. We're looking for it. This is Advent. This is where we are right now. We're waiting for that day. But in the waiting, we're not left in the distant. We're not left as orphans. We're not left like that. We're not left alone. We're not left with the promise of a future adoption. We're not left with the promise of a future father. That's not how we are, we are left. In the waiting, church, you are a son, a daughter of God. You are now. In the waiting, you're not left to call on him in a, in a distant, removed not involved way. You're, you're left to call him Abba, Father. And it's by the Spirit that we cry in the waiting, in the Advent, Abba, Father. The Spirit dwells in us. Life is now victory. Fellowship is now, not just later, but, but now. You are not an orphan any longer. You're a child of God. And, and again, let me remind you, just in case you've forgotten the same Spirit, it rose Jesus Christ from the dead, now dwells in, in you. And so let me ask you again, same question. Church, does the Spirit dwell in you? Do you cry to him in a personal way? Do you cry to him um, personally, relationally? Does the Spirit dwell in you? The Spirit gives us life. The Spirit fights our flesh. Spirit brings us into fellowship. And then in verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Church, that's incredible. Notice the Spirit himself. It does not say the Spirit itself. Instead, himself. That's because the Holy Spirit is a, is a he, not an it. He's not a thing. He's a person. He's personal. The Holy Spirit, or the Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So here's what this means. The Holy Spirit provides assurance. The Holy Spirit provides assurance. Praise God for that. Um, anyone here ever have doubt? Anyone here ever question who you are? Anyone here ever deal with fear? Good, me neither. Me neither, I'm glad we got that out. Um, has anyone here ever, ever caught yourself believing a lie about who you are? The, the way I think to think about this is, is when we accept a false identity. Maybe it looks like um, I'm just a depressed person. I'm just, I'm pessimistic. I am a glutton. I am lazy. I'm selfish. I'm a porn addict. I'm materialistic. I'm a gossip. I'm insecure. You could, I'm sure we could add a lot more of our own to this list, but we can, we can start defining ourselves. I am blank. I am blank. 
But hear me, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are, what does it say? Does it say gossip, glutton, insecure? No, no, it, it, it says children of God. See, as a child of God, we should never buy the lie that we are anything other than a child of God. We should never buy the lie that, we, that our identity is anything else. Now, we may struggle with doubt. We may struggle with, with fear. We may struggle with specific sins. We may struggle. We may struggle. But you are not that struggle. You are not that struggle. That is not who you are. And those things are not your identity. Don't buy the lie because those things did not die for you. Those things did not purchase you. Those things did not adopt you. You are a child of God. That is your identity. And the Holy Spirit, as this text says, bears witness to this. He provides assurance that we are, in fact, children of God. And I I want us to think again. Let's bring this to Advent. The Holy Spirit is the God of the Advent. Here in the waiting, here in the expectation, again, we're longing for that day. We're longing for the day when Jesus will return. We're longing for the future glory. Um, And here in the waiting, we've already talked about the fact that we are children of God. We do not wait alone. We're not left as orphans. But we wait as children, crying out to the Father in a personal Abba Father. That's who we are. But here in our text, it gets even better. It gets even better because, because not only are we children of God, but we are left with an unshakable confidence, an unshakable assurance that we are in Jesus Christ in face of anything and everything that we face. There is not a, this is not a coincidence that chapter 8 ends the way it does in your Bibles. This is not coincidence. If you look in verse, in verse 30. In verse 31, what should we say to these things? What are these things? He's about to list them. It's everything. Everything. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it? Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Listen to verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? You can throw a couple of your own blanks here. Who is it that's going to separate? Well, it's a good thing. Paul answers this, 37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, and in case you're worried yours isn't on here, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, how is that for assurance? There's no coincidence that Paul finishes here. The Holy Spirit, here's here's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes and bears witness to the fact that what we just read is absolutely true. 
is absolutely true that nothing here in the waiting, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the hope that you have. So as we are here and as we are waiting for the return, as we are in this Advent expecting uh, Jesus to return, we wait in confidence and assurance. We wait um, not hoping for a future that is potentially ours, Church, we wait for a future that is ours. Not only that, nothing, no one, nothing in all of creation can separate us from that. In the waiting, we have assurance and confidence, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Nothing can separate us. The Spirit dwells in us. So let me ask you again, church, does the Spirit dwell in you? Does the Spirit dwell in you? In you, do you have that assurance? Have you ever wondered how Jesus could have said what he said in John 16? If you don't have it memorized, it's okay. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. What? For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. It is to your advantage. It is better for you that I, Jesus, Son of God, it is better that I leave. It is better that I go because the helper, the Holy Spirit, is coming. It is better for you. How could Jesus say that? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered that? I I know I have. And here's the truth. We can so often take for granted what is ours through Jesus Christ. We can so often take for granted, I think this is, a, this is a, a ploy of the enemy, honestly, that we take for granted. See, before the work of Jesus Christ, Old Testament saints, church, um, the, the people of God, they did not have the helper that you have. They did not have the access that you have. They did not have the comforter, the assurance that you have. They did not, they were not equipped or indwelled the way you are. They did not have the Holy, the Holy Spirit indwelling them. It is better for you, church, that I leave. Let me just be very clear. The, whole, the Old Testament saints would have given anything to know and to have and to be indwelled by the Spirit of God. Don't take for granted what you have. It's better for you that I leave because there's someone who is coming and that, that someone is gonna give you the things that we have just talked about. He's, he's going to give us life, not just later life, but now life, life and life abundantly today. He's going to come and he's gonna fight the flesh. He's, he's going to strengthen you in your walk to fight against sin. He's coming. It is better. It is better. He's going to bring us into fellowship, fellowship with God himself, fellowship so that we stand and and we cry, Abba, Father. He's coming. He's coming, and he's going to provide you with assurance, assurance that, that you know that you are his. You're confident of who you are today. You're confident of your future. 
You're confident of who you are as God's loved and adopted children both now and forever. It is an incredible thing to be a child of God. It's got to be the understatement of the morning. It is an incredible thing to be a child of God. Not only is our future secure, but we get the Holy Spirit. We get all of that here in the waiting. We get all of that here in the waiting. Church, the good news is good news. Let me finish our text this morning as we close. Paul's just talking about us being, being children, adopted sons and daughters. Now, listen to this, verse 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. An heir is defined as a person who inherits or is entitled to inherit the rank, title, position of another. That's what an heir is. It says you are a child, an heir of God. And here's what this means. You are loved and you are cared for by your father. You are loved and you are cared for by your father. You have all that you need, both here and now forever. You have everything that you need through the love of the father, the work of Jesus Christ, and the work of the Holy Spirit on your life. You have all that you need. And so as an heir, now, through the work of Jesus Christ, you stand before God righteous. You stand before God righteous, not your own, but Christ's righteousness on your behalf. You stand before God in the position, I'll put it like this, of child. As a child, you stand before Abba Father as, as a child. That is yours, not because of you, but because of Jesus Christ. You are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Now, uh, please do not get me wrong. This does not mean that your life is going to be smooth sailing from this point on. This does not mean that um, spirit fingers and sunshine and lollipops and all things good in life are yours forevermore. That's not what this happy, healthy, wealthy know. No, no uh, it's in this world you will face trouble, not if, but when. In this world, you will face trouble. But notice, even notice in our verse, um, provided we what? We suffer with him. Provided we suffer. The promise is not come to Christ and your life is going to be awesome. That's not the promise. The promise is to come to Christ and through anything and everything that you go through, you are not and you will never be alone. You will be strengthened and equipped you get the Holy Spirit of God indwelling you and sealing you forever. That's what we get. Assuring you that nothing will separate you. Assuring you that you are a child of God, a co-heir of Christ. And this is yours because of the love of God, because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and because of the work of the Holy Spirit on your heart. This is yours because our God is a trinity. Without this, that would not be yours. But because this is who our God is, we stand in confidence. So let me ask you one final time this morning. Church, does the Spirit dwell 
in you. If you are unsure or this morning you would like to just pray with someone, maybe someone in your life, maybe um, for yourself, if you're here and you would like prayer, some of our leaders, uh, our pastors will be kind of off to the side in the back. And here's what, lunch, the game, it can wait. It can wait, I, I promise. Don't leave here without praying. Don't leave here without praying. Whether it be now, we're about to sing a final song. Maybe it's during the song. Maybe it's after a service. Whenever it may be, church, don't leave here without praying. It would be our honor to pray with you this morning. So let's pray together.